So uh, I don't even know what to call today's message. I've just kind of got a kind of a little bit of a smorgasbord of different things that we're going to touch on today, and they all kind of work together, and they also kind of all go with what we've been talking about uh, over the last few weeks and over the past year, really. And uh, so we're going to kind of kind of go through these different things and look at it and how they all all fit together. And, uh, you know, we're now in our, our holiday season. And if you don't believe me, just walk into a store and look. And you'll see the Christmas trees up. You know, everything's there. Everybody's trying to, to cash in. And, and uh, we touched on a little bit last week about how things have changed through the holidays. That uh, we don't have these set unwritten rules anymore about when things are supposed to happen that we've been seeing black friday sales start as early as july and now that every place they're running specials starting now and all the way through the the holidays trying to cash in on every little bit they can we see that the decorations come out earlier and earlier and and that there's was a, a few moments there that we could buy holiday uh, Halloween candy and holiday candy right at the same time. It was all there for us. And everybody's adding and expanding and making it more and more. And uh, we, you know, people enjoy this time and they want to stretch it out as, as long as possible. And it's uh, for many businesses, this is the most busiest time of the year. And, and of course, that's all understandable things. And uh, as we grow older, we see that Sometimes that our, our traditions and things change. And there's things of today's youth that they do now that we didn't do whenever I was a child. And I'm going to try to stay as vague as possible when talking about some of these subjects because uh, I don't want to be the one that ruins things for certain people. That's up to each and every person to take upon themselves about how they are to do their family traditions and what they believe and what they share to share with others and especially their children. So we're going to we're going to leave that and we're going to stay as vague as possible uh, to preserve that. But there is uh, one thing they have now that didn't exist whenever I was young. And there's certain things that we bring into our house, and it keeps an eye on the children for the season. So they can report back to the North Pole, and, and uh, as a parent, if you have one of these things, you know that you have certain responsibilities that come with it. And since this is something that we only do just this time and we are very busy people and it can often slip our minds about taking this daily responsibility for this item. And when we do, the young ones are certainly going to pick up on that and they're going to have questions about why this item did not complete the task it was supposed to complete for that day. I hope you're with me so far. 
if you don't have kids, never done this thing, you probably have no idea what I'm talking about. But for the parents, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. So uh, we've all been in that situation where we were caught and we had to think on our feet. And it's amazing how quick we can do that and we can come up with a story that will satisfy those young ears and be able to cover our folly of not doing our our daily duty with this item. You know, and that's not the only thing that we do uh, for the season. There's many other things that we are, are creating an illusion of. And again, it's not a a debate of whether that's right or wrong. You know, for many of us, we're just trying to give happiness. We're trying to create a a sense of of illusion and magic and to try to do something special. And then like we've talked about before, you know, it's our intentions is the greatest thing that we need to pay attention to when we're doing things to be able to navigate the world and be able to stay on the the small path to be able to do things good for God. Remember, every day is a day that God made. So it's what we do with it is what matters. So I'm not trying to criticize. I'm not trying to condemn anything like that. I'm just just talking with you. We're, We're using this as an example. But the point of it is, oh... Why is it that we don't take this much effort when it comes to God, when it comes to Jesus? Why are we, because we don't have to, we don't have to make things up. Where we fall short in that department is, number one, not having the information that God gives us in his word to be able to answer the questions and to be able to teach. It is our responsibility as parents to pass this knowledge down to our children. We are the most influential people in our children's life. And number two, we do not seize the opportunities to be able to teach. We say that Jesus is the reason for the season, but do we take and really talk about who Jesus is and what everything represents, what it means, the impact of having him in our lives? Or is it merely something that we we, we decorate? Is it merely something we see lit up in lights? Is it merely just fluff, part of a a bigger illusion. We don't take the time to teach. Another thing that we had talked about over the past couple weeks is, is that Satan lies to us. The world is Satan's domain He has control over it. We gave it to him. He has that authority to do so. And 
we're, we're not realizing the small things that he does to manipulate our thoughts. And he gets, gets to us one lie at a time. Some little seed of doubt that he places there and we allow it to grow because we do not take charge of our thoughts. We do not take and know what the Word says. We do not capture, take our thoughts and then place them into where God says it's truth and to push away the lies and the doubt and the fear and to be able to live in that kind of peace. You know, in any time that we broach a topic and God is in it, we have a choice. You know, we talk about choices all the time. We have a choice, and that is, do we look for God in it, or do we look to take God out of it? Now, we're humans. We're a default negative type of people, and we look for the negative side of things. It's easier to doubt. It's easier to live in fear. It's easier to go with the flow, with the masses. All these things are easier, but that's not the thing that God wants us to do. And when it comes to subjects that it seems that it's on the side of the world, on the side of science, that it is putting doubt upon God, instead of us going with that, we should challenge that. Because God's got an answer. God is in everything that we do. The story of Jesus is within the whole book, the whole Bible. He's there in every step of the way. You know, people that want to doubt the Word... I'm an avid reader. I read all kinds of books. I consume sometimes a couple a week. And one thing I've noticed is no matter who the author is, how long they've been doing it, how good they are, eventually you're going to find mistakes. There's going to be a, a continuity issue. There's going to be uh, an issue that the, the facts don't line up with real world situations. You know, like if they talk about the, per the character driving a Corvette and they throw something in the back seat, Corvettes do not have back seats. That's a mistake. So you have things like that. But if you look into the, the word that is put together over a period of time with people that has never conversed with one another, that have not compared notes, have not done these things, but yet everything works in harmony. Everything is its own commentary. Everything fits together. You know, we, we talk about seeing Jesus in the Old Testament. We see that, uh, we'll go start with some easy ones. Jonah, three days in the whale. What does that mirror? 
Jesus, three days in the tomb. We see that Abraham going up the mountain to sacrifice his son is a reflection of God sacrificing his son. What about Noah? Now, if I was to, uh, if let's say we're going to play Pictionary, where you know, we have to draw a picture and people's got to guess what it is. If I told you to draw Noah, what would you do? And even the kids can figure this one out because they're going to draw a man, you know, probably with a, a long beard and a robe. But somewhere in that picture, they're going to put a boat. Because that's the base of the story. And that is what represents Jesus. He is that vessel that's going to come and he's going to gather everyone up and he's going to take them to a a better place. Take them to a place that's not being destroyed, but it's being saved and as everything else goes away. That is what Jesus is. He's represented in everything that we do. That is the power of the word. That he's there and he's represented in everything that we do. So, many times, people try to use science to disregard what the Word says. And like I previously said, any time that God is in the play, that we are faced with some kind of area that we could doubt, we need to challenge that because we know that God is there, he is showing up, and that he is part of it, and that everything that this word says is true. And even if you're a non-believer, because there are people that are so pushy in their convictions about not believing in God, and they want to do all they can to prove that God is not real, that the word of God is, is not right, that you know, would take all these things. Well, I challenge those too. If you want to prove your point, well, well, come on and let's do it. Let's challenge it together. If you are so convinced in your beliefs, then let's challenge it. But again, as we talked about, this only works if we come at it with an open mind and not have our minds made up. See, in science, when they're trying to prove something, that is exactly what they're doing. They conduct tests. They have an idea of what they think might happen, the hypothesis, and they they go and they put that into play, and then they conduct tests. And oftentimes, there's even a controlled test that doesn't have any variation in it to show what the natural outcome would be without these kind of variation in it. And we do these tests because we want to come in with a a neutral mindset. So see, we're already combining science in with God now. We should attack it in the same way. Whether you're coming from the side of disbelief or you're coming from the side of being a true believer, then you should come at it the same way. Open mind not biased one way or the other to let the word speak to you and tell you exactly what it is. So, we have this thing called carbon dating. 
and that they use that to be able to determine how old things are. And it's been theorized, and notice the word that I use there, because there is many, 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 many things in science that you cannot prove. That you cannot prove beyond a shadow of a doubt. That you have an idea how things work, but you can't test it. You can't duplicate the results. So you can only theorize how things happen. Like we have the Big Bang Theory. Nobody was there that follows this theory. So they theorize how it happened. The theory of evolution is a educated, so they say, guess of how people came to be. Now, my only question is, why did we stop? Why did we stop evolving? Seems like now we're devolving. So, there's much debate about things. So, they say that the, the earth is 4.6 billion years old. Now, Bible scholars, based on the word and the timelines that happen within it, base it somewhere around 6,000 years old. That's a lot of discrepancy. And the doubters, the non-believers, would use that as evidence to discredit what the Word says. So, you know, one point that we can take is, is that we can you know, argue about God's idea of time versus man's idea of time, which is definitely a, a strong argument because you know, the Lord says that it's just but a day. You know, what is a day to the Lord? You know, did it, how, what is that, how does that work out with our modern time system? And because that is, that is a theory. That is something that we can work with. That is an argument that we have that has merit. But I want to give you something else today that's bigger than that, that's outside the box, and that is, you know, what really God can do. So we don't have to, we don't have to read it. We all know that God created Adam and Eve. He took the dirt and he compiled it together. He made the form of a man and he breathed life into it. Now I want you to just think a moment about what's different from that creating of that person versus how people come into the world today. Even Jesus came into the world as a, a baby. He did it the same way that all of us do it. He was born into this world, had to grow up in this world. But Adam 
He came into this world as a grown person. He was grown. He was mature. He was created with built-in age. Same thing with Eve. He took the rib from Adam. From that, he created the woman. And she was his mate. She was built with built-in age. And we have to think about the creation of the world. See, it didn't say that he planted seeds. He didn't plant grass. He spoke. The waters receded. The land came forward. The light was there. The moon was there. All these things were in place. Because God needed a place to put his other creations. The animals. Whenever they were created, they were created with built-in age. You couldn't have just simply threw out a bunch of infant babies, animals. They wouldn't have made it. They wouldn't have survived. They had to start somewhere. And they started with built-in age. So maybe... The earth is 6,000 years old. Maybe it's 4.6 billion. I think it's probably somewhere in the middle somewheres. Because there had to be some built-in age. Things had to be mature and ready to go and developed to be able to sustain life. And that's how we should approach when we look at God. There's always something more. We take what we know from the world and we to try to apply that to God. But God is bigger, better, and His ways are not our ways. There's something more to to think about. John 18 and 36. When Jesus was questioned, he answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom was of this world, then I would my servants fight, and that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not of hence. First John 2:15 Love not the world, neither the things that are of the world, for if any man love the world and love of the Father is not in him. For all things in the world is the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of the life and the father but of the world. And the world passes away and the lust therefore and dust the will of God abide forever.
You know, we look at the way that we are being influenced. Notice that, the way we are being influenced. Now, I know that many of us are passionate about causes. And other than for a very small percentage of us, the causes that we are passionate about have always existed. And we simply hear about it, we like it, and we want to join in on it. So now we're pushing about the environment. And it changes throughout the decades. I like to watch old shows. I just, the things that I grew up with and, and things like that, it's, there's not so much worldly things about it because there's less of the political correctness and we don't have the things that's developed that we see so much now that's, that we pushed upon it. And I don't know, I just, I just enjoy the old shows from the 80s, 90s, that's there. And there were still times when they would use these as, as sounding boards. And you know, it's funny because a lot of the causes that were so prevalent of that time that we don't hear about that anymore. We don't have the, the big anti-drug campaigns that we used to have back in the 90s. We don't have the concern about the, the ozone layer. And it's been replaced with other things that are now deemed to be important. And we, we jump on that because we want to be part of something. We want to feel like we're doing something. And I want you to, I want you to think about how we treat certain items. If you go and rent a hotel for a night and you see that maybe the curtain rod's a little loose, maybe a table's a little unlevel, are these things that you, you fix? Do you go out and buy a paint, some paint to take care of some chip paint on the wall? Or you just leave it as be. And of course we're going to leave it alone because it's not ours. It's not ours. We're only staying there temporary. And then once we leave that place, we're not going to see it again. There is someone that's going to take care of those problems. Now, when you go and rent a car, let's be honest now. Do we drive it like we drive our own? Do we take it nice and easy and baby on it and we don't accelerate fast and we don't stab on the brakes and we don't... Do all the things. We're not concerned about where we park it because it's not ours. We're going to use it for a short period of time. We're going to turn it back in. 
There's a commercial that comes on some of the radios. It's a car dealership. And at the end of every commercial, they say, come out and see us and don't forget to drive it like you stole it. And what exactly does that mean? See, if you had stolen a vehicle, you wouldn't care how you take care of it, how you drive it, because you have nothing in it. You have no value into it. But yet we are to jump on the bandwagon about the world that we need to do certain things in our lives that we need to make drastic changes because we act like we're going to be here forever. And that is simply not the case. This world is not our home. We are just passing through. We have an eternity, hopefully, in heaven with God. Or we can have an eternity in hell without God. And then, uh, as while we're on that subject, let's, let's touch there a bit. You know, the, the Bible doesn't tell us that hell, a lot about hell, other than it's not a place that we want to be. It's not made for us. It's made for Satan and his followers. We get a few brief descriptions that possibly is metaphorically because Jesus speaks in parables many times. And I believe that God just gives us just enough without giving us too much because we don't need to know about that place because we have a place prepared for us. And that's another question that people throw up all the time it's how can God love us so much and then allow people to go to hell and I question first is why is it that are you so concerned about being separated from God while you're here on earth but yet you still want to get into heaven. You know, we have an incredibly high divorce rate. We have all kinds of estrangements from family, and we have friends that separate. We have all kinds of discontent amongst people. So when we have these separations, 
We don't want to spend time with people that we are no longer wanting to associate with. We wouldn't want to live with an ex. We wouldn't want to live with someone that we don't like. And for many of us, we are saying, God, I do not need you. I do not want you. I want you to leave me alone and let me live my life. But then on the flip side, though, I want to make sure that I've done just the bare minimum so I can get into heaven because this hell place doesn't sound so good. And can you imagine how many more people would make sure they have that fire insurance, as they say, to uh, not go to hell if the word did speak more about it? You know, we, we get a lot of our images of what hell is from TV and from literature, Dante's Inferno, and we have all these other kind of pieces that describe what hell is. And that's our image of it. Same thing as we get our image of, of Satan as this monster. And we want to avoid that so we do just enough, just be, not because that we want to be with God, Because we don't want to go to the alternative. We're picking the what? The lesser of two evils. But that's our mentality that we have. And then we want to, on top of that, we want to criticize God because we expect Him to do everything and we do nothing. God wants a relationship with us. But he doesn't want it enough that he is to force it upon us. He allows us to choose. Listen to our arguments that we speak. We don't want to accept him. We don't choose him. We don't love him, but we want him to love us back unconditionally and save us. From this fire pit. You know, he gave his only son as a living sacrifice for us. He restored the connection that we lost, that we gave away, that we turned over. We are all sinners. We are not righteous. We are not worthy. Everything we have is because of God's sacrifice, because of God's love, because of what God has done for us. And we don't want to do absolutely anything in return. He gives us a choice. And if he took that one choice away, he would have to take all of them away. You know, and when we, we talk about this subject here, I don't... Understand how God can love us that much. How selfish, how mean, how unworthy we are. 
that we want to have this double standard that only works in our favor and that He still loves us. He still allows us that opportunity. And He allows us all the way through. We can have a life that is added up to absolute nothing and if you can squeeze it in on your deathbed and you can truly accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you can be saved. That thief on the cross was proof of that. But we don't want to to do that. And furthermore, this relationship that God wants to have, it is so much more of a benefit for us than it ever is for Him. Satan says the lie is that God's an evil dictator that wants to just ruin all your fun. In reality, He is a loving caring Father that wants to enrich our lives. You know, there's times that it seems like things are are overwhelming. It seems that sometimes we get much more of the bad parts of life than we should. You know, we all get there. I've been there too, that we, we question why things are so hard. But they're not hard because of God. And the only reason that we can see ourselves through is because of God. We need to start changing the way that we look at things and start seeing the God in it. There's so many little things. You know, we're always looking for the big stuff. We want to see people walking on water. We want to see the 5,000 fed. We want to see the dead rise. But there's so many little things. Passive blessings. Things that are happening all around you that's because of God's hands that are little miracles that we tend to not take notice of, but see us through each and every day. And our outlook how we respond. Everything that happens in life is a a problem and how we respond. Difficulties, trials, tribulations, whatever you want to call them, they are going to come no matter what. Having God there to see you through, because if you say, no, God, I'm going to do it on my own, he's going to say, okay. And then we're going to blame him because first it happened. Then we're going to blame him again because we have no help. We're not getting the the accomplishments that we want to accomplish. And it's all because... We're not embracing Him. We're not embracing Him. So then we have these, these difficulties and it could be easier. Now everything's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. In fact, most of the time it's not going to be. 
Because we're concerned about our feelings. You know, if we're feeling sad, we're feeling depressed, we're feeling angry, we're feeling hurt. You know, that's the things that overshadow everything else. But it doesn't mean that God is not working with us. Because these things, even though it doesn't feel good at the time, it is making us stronger. And we feel sorry for ourselves. You might get hurt in an accident, but you survived. A lot of people don't. You might have something debilitating happen to you, but you're still getting around. A lot of people don't. You may not have everything that you want, but you have what you need. A lot of people don't. There's always someone that's got it harder. We see that God's chosen people all throughout his word. Remember, this is an example for us. They have difficulties. They have challenges. They have people come against them. They have illnesses. They have accidents. They have false witnesses. And I could keep going. The same thing that we do. But the common thing is, that is, God is with them. God sees them through. And what he does for them, he will do for us. We didn't touch on anything really long. We touched on all kinds of things today. So I hope there was something there for everybody.